Hello, and welcome to Wild Sessions. I'm Henrietta Norton, a parent, nutritional practitioner, author, and founder of Wild Nutrition. In this series, I'll be sitting down with some excellent professionals who will share their depth of knowledge and back it all up with practical advice. I'll also be sharing real-life experiences from women and men who have navigated the twists and turns of health at every life stage. For this episode, I had the pleasure of talking to Abigail James, who is a holistic facialist. She and I worked together in an integrated well-being medical practice in London many moons ago, and I was really struck by the way that she works. We have a really rich conversation, talking about collagen, talking about how we can age well, sun exposure, the importance of diet and supplements, and our mindset how we think about life and think about ourselves as influencing how well we age. It was a very, very joined up, inspiring conversation. And I really hope that you enjoy listening to it too. Abigail, firstly, hi. Hello. How are you? It's been years. And I mean, I've been slightly following you from the sidelines. But what I just wanted to start with is that your holistic approach is driven very authentically because of the background that you've had and the life experiences that you've had that drove you into becoming a facialist and then having a very joined up holistic approach. Can you tell us a bit more about that and how you came to do what you do? Yeah, well, I started my career actually in the food industry, which was my father's company. My grandparents were vegetarian, even just post-war. So food and healthy food was always something that we were brought up around. We definitely had the juxtaposition of my mum, you know, buying jacket potatoes with pre-stuffed baked beans and cheese on the top, you know. <laughs> Good uh, 80s food. Yes, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> Finder's, uh, was it Finder's Crispy Pancakes? Yes. That, that was a regular. So it was quite a broad background in food, lifestyle and nutrition. And I had postnatal depression after my first daughter I was 23 uh, so by today's standards really young and I just couldn't go back to the job that I'd had my brain wasn't in it I physically emotionally everything I, I, was, I was you know I, I was really unwell and as much as I was assigned a psychiatric nurse who would come and visit me Terry uh, and you know I tried to do it very holistically I definitely needed medical help bring me back onto onto track and you know I I was at a point of I don't want to be here anymore it was really quite severe but as part of that process I'm a doing person so I started doing a few night courses uh one of them was millinery I could make you a beautiful wedding hat uh, I did not I, know that that's yeah, amazing I'm, I'm a trained a woman milliner. of many, talent, many talents. <laughs> but interestingly about that, it's creative and it's working with your hands. Mm, mm. But I had a friend at the time who was a beauty therapist. She used to come round, whether she'd paint my nails, do a facial, massage, something. And I just loved what she did and how it made me feel. So I looked out and found a course at the local higher educational college to do my beauty level one and two, it took me two years, two nights a week. Uh, with, and a young, so, with a young daughter as well. Yeah. And a marriage that was probably not a nice environment to be in. So I found myself as a single parent of two children 
uh, we lost everything. So I ended up on benefits and James, who is now 20, he came to college crash so that I could go to college full time to get my level three, which meant I could actually practice properly as a, a beauty therapist. It was a lot of work. I just loved it. I just I, I couldn't soak up enough information. So then when the weekends when I didn't have my children, I'd be going on another course or when the kids were in bed, I literally started blogging and reading other things on the internet and it just became a hobby and a passion as well as a career and knock it forward a little bit I found myself a single parent of three children life kind of happens like that and I got my first big-ish gig working for Lady Bamford at the Hay Barn Spa which now is huge I was the only British on the teams because all the other therapists, Lady B had literally collected from around the world. And I was learning from these other therapists. Thai methods, Ayurvedic, we'd got an Ayurvedic doctor there. They taught me how to do, I think it's called Chibuti Therma, which is basically the massage where we're walking up and down people's backs. Fascinating time, but I kept learning, kept hustling. And there was a particular skincare brand who were trying to get into the hay barn and they asked if I could design some treatments for the brand. I'd never done that before, but I was like, yes, let's do it. I'll do it. So I did. I wrote the training manual. It was all beautiful. And then suddenly they were stocked in a place in Primrose Hill in London. And they asked if I wanted to do a pop-up there. So that was, I suppose, where the journey started progressing from where I was to a London base. But... I suppose where my ethos comes from the 360, seeing how certain skincare products and things weren't working on people's skin and actually having an adverse response. And when someone's coming in for a facial or a massage, I need to know how are you feeling today? What are your stress levels? Why is the skin presenting like this? So it just felt quite natural to be delving deeper into the people in front of me so that I could help them better. And what's interesting about that is that now there are more people that are taking a more integrated, holistic approach. But at the time when you were doing that, that must have been quite trailblazing. So to be talking about what's actually going on with you emotionally, mentally, physically, internally must have been a very progressive conversation to be having with people. Yes. And I think that's what started to stand me out and because I was trained in so many other holistic therapies as well, it wasn't just one training, it was multiple trainings. So you're, you're seeing health and skin and tissues in a totally different way. It's not linear. And I think also one of the things that has changed is our approach to ageing. So in the 80s, 90s, where we were all talking about anti-ageing, now it's about healthy ageing. I would love to ask you what you think healthy ageing is, what it means to you? Yeah, I like to call it ageing well. And I think it's that complete 360. Yes, we need good skincare products. And there's some amazing technology, even within clean beauty, that can get results. So that's one core of it. I think treatments forms another way that we can be supporting 
underlying collagen, uh, reducing the appearance of wrinkles, but in a non-invasive way, so not going to surgery. Our diet can potentially speed up the visible aging process. Our stress levels, when we're stressed, we're giving off different hormones, which will physically impact on our collagen production. So collagen is, you know, the building blocks of skin, tissue. But from an aging point of view, if we're stressed, even blood flow is going to be compromised to the skin. We need lots of fresh blood flow for good nutrients going to the skin. So that it's multifaceted when it comes to aging well. And it's that combined approach. And for me, it's always a constant working process. It is. You know, I know my diet should be full of certain things, but there's a birthday and I want to eat the cake. And not forgetting the mindset of how we feel about our looks. And I think, to me, that's the biggest positive shift we can make around ageing well. Because there absolutely has been a shift. We know that the word anti-ageing is almost not allowed. But actually have our views about ageing really changed you know we we still see this with famous faces that the guys are still allowed to get gray and turn into a silver fox but a woman isn't necessarily she's not allowed to do that yet so I I still feel there's that inner work that we still need to do about how we feel about how we look but I still think we've got a long way to go with the global view of let's say women's aging as well Absolutely. I would say that it's very deeply embedded in our culture and it will take some time to work its way through. And there are changes happening, but it needs to happen on a very individual level to come to a place where one can celebrate the idea of us getting older. And I mean, there's a lot of talk at the moment around the menopause and perimenopause. And historically, there's been a lot of fear about going into that stage of life. But you look at different cultures where women are absolutely celebrated once they've gone through the menopause for their wisdom, for their knowledge, for their beauty, for their power, because they've reconnected with a different part of their strength. And that's all part of that beauty conversation as well. What is beautiful? It's like the inner, inner beauty shining through, which can seem like a lovely sentiment when we're younger, but becomes even more important, I think, as we get to be part of that sort of ageing conversation. When we were both working at the Integrated Medical Centre in London, I would see people that had a really fantastic diet, but their health issues were stemming from the fact that they were overworked, overstressed, not living their life's purpose. Those are the things that were driving this increase of inflammation, that increase of cellular deterioration, not giving the body enough time to to settle and, and recover. It's been said for a long time that our that our skin reflects actually what's going on inside and that that really is the case, isn't it? It is. You know, we we can have, let's say, a face that has character and lines on it and that person is possibly more on a cellular level healthier and ageing better but they're not doing certain procedures to dramatically change their faces. Mm, mm. So the ageing process is so individual how we all choose to do it and whether you're someone who does the Botox fillers lasers or not or you're somewhere in between it's about being happy and confident and as healthy 
as, as you can be. I think even more so in a world where, without judgment, the Botox route has become a more common choice than it has been in the past. And as individuals, we very easily look to others to gauge where to place ourselves. And if we are looking around and people have got very, very youthful skin, it's very easy to feel that we shouldn't be looking the way that we are. And so it's much more important now to dig really deep into that. I'm okay. I'm comfortable with who I am. I'm really proud of. And that's so easy to say, but so difficult difficult to do. That's real deep internal work. And it's touching on the emotional part of us, the spiritual part of us. It's on every level. Yeah, I mean, as ageing humans, ageing women, our faces and our bodies go through dramatic shifts. For me personally, at 40, I'm still okay with what I'm looking at. Get to the other side of 40, you know, I've just turned 47. It's like, okay, well, this is quite different now. And it's a big thing. It's a huge thing. And I find that challenging. We were brought up around the supermodel era and my mother was always on a diet. I suppose that in the background was just the underlying. Thin is good, a certain aesthetic is good and the thing to aim towards. But as our bodies naturally change, that's actually not healthy for us internally and emotionally to keep striving to have a a certain physical setup. I know we've kind Mm -hmm. of digressed into the more body side of things, but they're all aspects of ageing. They are. And I think these messages that we're exposed to and imbued in as we're growing up in our society and in our microclimate within our families, they're very, very subtle. And I think as a 45-year-old, there are messages that have been entrenched in me that I didn't even know were there. And it's really uncomfortable, but you can't chase that away. You can't kick that down the road because you will always come to it. At some stage, the Botox might have to stop. This is something I do talk about in my book, The Glow Plan. It's multifaceted. I hold strongly to the view of ageing is such a gift. We do have a choice, hopefully, as to how we can do that. And if Botox fillers, it makes you happy. Good for you. You do that. You do you. But if you're just seeing the pressure of your friends doing it, I get that a lot. I've seen, you know, Catherine, she's had it done. And my friend Sophie, she's, and they look amazing. That's fine. And you might want to dabble and play with it. But it doesn't mean that it's the only answer. So this is where the mindset about how we feel about we ageing, diet, And I think with our farming levels and everything else and inflammation going on in the body, we're not absorbing everything we need to. Mm. And that's where I'm a huge advocate of supplements. I think the skincare, the treatments, we've got this plate of things we can all dip into. And if you want to dip into all of them, that is amazing. But if you just want to dip into one of them or a couple of them or a little bit of them, that's great. You know, you do you. But all of these things need consistency and a rhythm to that consistency. And whatever that is for you, it needs consistency. Yeah, that's how I feel about collagen supplements. are a really big thing at the moment and they have a place. But if you are putting collagen into a system that is very inflamed or there's gut bacteria issues or 
really anything that we can do to support our body with the balance it needs internally to create its own collagen and to utilise that collagen properly is really, really important. Mm. For years, I couldn't actually take collagen supplements. I couldn't physically take them because it would just flare my gut up immensely. When I actually got to a little bit more of root causes of what was going on and, you know, managed stress levels <laughs> and changed the diet and different supplements, I think they called it microscopic colitis. Right. I can quite successfully now take collagen supplements, but it's an individual thing and it comes back to that whole health. And sometimes we might need to address another part of our health for us to enable to, to move forwards with other things. We're just about obviously to come into June and I'd love to talk a little bit about sun protection. We need sun protection if we're thinking of sun damage, cancer risk, premature ageing, then yes, we do need to be protecting from the sun. There's a question mark that's always hung over my head about the chemical sunscreens and the mineral sunscreens. If I had a choice between one or the other, I would generally choose a mineral SPF. However, they don't always sit well on the skin. Mm. And we need to see our sunscreens as part of our complete skincare routine. When I was doing the research for our natural glow, it supports the melanin production from inside and keratin production as well. But if you apply sunscreen 50 SPF and above at a certain thickness, the research has shown that that can actually interfere with your body's endogenous production of vitamin D. So this is where we need to really kind of weigh up the protection against the skin and finding that balance with the exposure early in the morning that can help us to generate vitamin D, for example, making sure that you are still getting that exposure and the mental health benefits from being in the sun. I also think that people now expect, oh my goodness, I need a 50. There's a lot of great 30s and Mm. without knowing the exact science, but from what I understand, the amount of extra chemicals that are needed to get from a 30 to a 50 is quite huge you know and if you are using a 30 well make sure that you're reapplying it Mm. i know there's a lot of things at the moment about oh but i don't want to put it over my makeup well if you just put some on your fingertips and press it onto the skin Mm. and not zhuzh it around on the skin it will give you that same coverage so there Mm. are there are many ways of reapplying your sun protection in your daily life there's minerals that you can powder on there's sprays you can dab on as I've said so there are other ways of putting it on over your makeup and still giving you that protection um I feel I digressed slightly no that's that was absolutely on point (laughs) (laughs) I think the, the, the thing is it's again I think another example of how to be very rounded in your approach of it I would actually rather much like you've said before the sun gets hot I'd rather sit out for half an hour then with nothing on my skin. Mm. And I I know I'd probably be called out for that, but I'd rather get that little bit and then absolutely then protect for the rest of the day, sit under an umbrella, you know, all of those kind of things. You could choose to put a 30 or 50 on your face and then from a vitamin D production, 
you might want to put a different SPF on the rest of your body. So from that health point of view, it's not as if you might have just slathered yourself all over with a 50. You might have mm. done, but there's ways to balance that out as well. Without wanting to sound like I'm really plugging natural glow, it's only because we've been working working on it for so long and it's, it's in front of mind. But what I loved about the formula with natural glow is that because it's supporting your body's own production of melanin, which is both a protectant and an antioxidant, it also is what gives you that lovely natural colour to your skin. The research around natural glow is that you can actually get a really deep and sustainable lasting tan in a very short period of time. So like 30 minutes of just very gentle sun exposure. It can be in May, June. It doesn't have to be that intense heat. So I think, you know, there are ways of getting all of those things in a very, very healthy and supported way. But now I'm digressing because I've slightly gone off on a natural glow love love bomb. I'm, but I need to try this. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm going I to give to you some. Yeah, yeah, you do. It's absolutely amazing. But anyway, so... It's been so interesting to speak with you and there are so many more things that I could ask you about and I didn't know that you could make incredible hats too so I might be coming <laughs> to you for that. Uh, but I would love to know as we come to the end, we've spoken about stress management, we've spoken about diet, we've spoken about mindset, all of which are just so important. But I would love to know what your top three tips are. On, you've got a visitor. <laughs> I'd love to know what your top three tips are. What top that, three what tips for ageing well... Yes. 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 I've I'm, I'm literally speechless. It's, it's, it's difficult to get it down it to the difficult. three. I'm sorry. I think, you completely cheat. No, it's fine. So I definitely feel mindset is so essential to ageing well. How we feel about ourselves, how we feel about how we look is almost like the golden ticket to us feeling more confident and then making better choices for our diet and our lifestyle. So mindset is definitely my number one. You do need a good, solid skincare routine. Even if you can't get to me or someone like myself for a physical treatment, your home care can be skin changing if you're choosing the right kinds of products. There's a lot of rubbish out there, but there are some great brands as well. And I know from doing virtual skin consultations with people who physically can't get to me, if I can change their skincare, I can change their skin. Are there any key things that people should look for in a skincare routine? So getting your cleansing right is essential. For example, there's a lot of balm oil products at the moment that feel lovely and rich and nourishing and then when you add a water to it it turns into a milky lotion so it's easier to wash off for some skins they're amazing however for others the water and that process doesn't differentiate between the oil in the product and the oil within your skin interesting so for some people it can end up being really drying and actually cause breakouts because it's disrupting the natural oil balance within your skin. Vitamin C's, a vitamin C serum. So vitamin C is just an essential ingredient, I think. Um, we've talked about SPFs and yes, it is essential, but I actually think a good moisturiser. 
I could sway into the retinoids, but that's a whole episode all on its own. <laughs> I personally struggle with retinol. For years, I thought I had an issue with eye makeup that would make my eyes puffy and sensitive. And it was only when I stopped using retinol, I was like, oh, my eyes are fine. And I wasn't even putting retinols around my eyes. This was my retinol serums that I was putting on the rest of my face. Mm. So I know retinol has been touted as like the holy grail. Mm. Mm. I beg to differ. Retinoids, I think, are good. Retinaldehyde, I think, is amazing. But I know that I've kind of digressed beyond my top three. Um, so we've had mindset and then skincare routine. And within that skincare routine, a good cleanser that's right for you, yes. vitamin C serum and a moisturiser that's right for you. And you offer a skincare routine consultation that can really help people understand what's right yeah. for them as well, don't you? So Definitely. I do those virtually. Which I think is gold dust for a lot of people because there is so much choice on the market. How can you tell what's right for you? So we'll leave some links for the consultations and also for your clinic for an actual hands-on treatment as well. So mindset, skincare routine, one more. It's got to be what you're eating, a balance. I think anything in excess isn't good for us. We know avocados are good for our health but if we just ate avocados that's really not good for us mm. so it's about or the environment <laughs> yes yes exactly exactly so it's a balanced diet which is really essential and it plays such a huge part in general aging but skin issues as well I know mm. if I've got an acne client that I'm doing a consultation with if I can be supporting them in some dietary changes as well as supplements and as well as skincare, that's when we start seeing sustainable change for them. Yes, and again, that can be very individual, can't it, as well? Hugely. Because we can think that we're eating the healthiest of diets, but one man's... Um, oh, I can't remember the phrase now, but it's poison? one man's... Poison is another man's medicine. Or the, yes. Or the other way around. Yes. You know what we're trying to say. I do. You haven't mentioned it, but you've written a book called The Glow oh, yes. Plan. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you wrote a book called The Glow Plan, which is all really based on how important it is to have... Well, you explain it. Yeah, so The Glow Plan is my second book and it's fundamentally a four-week plan based around stress, sleep, circulation, diet, hormones, all of those kind of things. And it's a growing thing across the four weeks sleep support, physical activity. Mm. Uh, but then fundamentally each week we're learning about different types of face massage and things you can do practically at home. So across the four weeks, there's a building up of practices and knowledge and skills that by the end of the four weeks, fundamentally, we rinse and repeat because as you've said previously, it's consistency that is where the real work and the depth of change can happen when it's, when it's over a sustained period of time. We need to put the time in to be able to support ourselves as to best mm. we can. Mm. We can look for other experts and people to help us on that journey. But fundamentally, no one is going to make that change for you. You, mm. you have to do that. So skincare routine, mindset, 
and diet being your absolute top three pillars for that aging well process that shows on the skin. Um, and I know that after having heard you, there will be some people who are really inspired to come and find you. So my yeah. private clinic is in Surrey, just outside of Isha. And on and the website, there's a blog. I have a YouTube channel, so I do longer tutorials and chats and things on my YouTube. And there will be some online courses. Well, it's been great to talk to you. So lovely to reconnect after a few years of not working together and you're still doing incredible stuff. And I'm really, really grateful for your time today. Um, I'm just certainly given me some pearls of wisdom and information and I'm sure to everybody that's listening it has too. It's been a pleasure. I feel we could have literally chatted all day. Yes. <laughs> we might have to do a, a, a series actually, if you don't mind. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed that conversation. Please do let us know what you thought. Rate us on iTunes, follow us, share and spread the word with others. This has been a Wild Nutrition Podcast with Henrietta Norton. It's produced by Phil Bodger. Special thanks to Nina Humphreys, who composed our theme tune, and everyone at Wild Nutrition for their support. You can subscribe to Wild Nutrition Podcast on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. And you can also find us on our website, wildnutrition.com. Mm-hmm.